Hello, friends, and welcome to My Miniature Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Karf. This podcast is about all things miniature. We will explore the world of minis and all its raw talent, dedication, patience, and the new energy of this art form. Hear from miniature hobbyists and professionals from all over the world. We will gain a deeper insight into the creative processes that drive them. We will also explore what their biggest struggles are, their most devastating failures, and the most uplifting successes. I hope to encourage and inspire you in your miniature hobby, because even the ordinary become extraordinary in miniature. Hello friends, it's me Rachel, and welcome back for another episode of my Miniature Obsession Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and chatting minis with me. It's always the most fun thing to talk about to me, um, wouldn't you agree? Or as my kid said, it's the funnest, or funner. (laughs) I need to break them of that habit, I'm still trying. But as I was uploading today's recording, I realized it's been a while since I posted a new episode, and I apologize for that. I guess I'm just really caught up in all the things happening in the mini district, and all the new items in the Mike Drop Miniature Shop. So hot off the press, this just was uploaded to my website. One of the new items that I created was a Mother's Day box. So this, it's much like the miniature subscription box. However, it's a one-time box and it ships just in time for Mother's Day. And it's packed full with little miniatures that any miniature lover would love. So, hint, hint, you can drop the link to your loved ones and tell them this is really what I want for Mother's Day. I always think I'm the easiest person to buy for. Like, hello, anything small, right? But I hear from my family all the time that I'm the hardest person to buy for. I just find that so fascinating. So I guess we just need to keep dropping hints, maybe leaving links in email boxes. Hey, check this out. This is something I really want. So if you know someone that really likes miniatures and she's a mother, this is something that's definitely something she'll enjoy. So check out it today. Um, It's at themicedropminiatures.com slash shop. And I will put the link in the show notes for you because if you're like me, you're like, yep, totally forgot what you just said or I don't have a pen and paper. So anytime I drop a link, I will definitely put it in the show notes for you just to click and it'll take you right there. So it's super easy. So speaking of boxes, I shipped out my April miniature subscription box at the beginning of the month and it was such a huge success. And I want to thank those that reached out, posted stories and pictures of your boxes on your social media. I really, really appreciate it. I love hearing from my subscribers and the things that they like the best in the box. So thank you, thank you for reaching out and posting. I really, really appreciate it. So the next month's box ships on June 5th. I always think I have such a long time in between boxes, but man, it sure does fly. So if you want to get in on the fun, the cart is currently open. I'm letting a few more people in. The boxes are all handmade. So as you may know, miniatures take a long time to make. And therefore, I really, really have to be selective with how many people I let in for the subscription. So I will, every month, I add a little more, a few more people. And so the cart will be open for a little bit longer in 
it probably won't open again until June. So you definitely want to check that out if you've been wanting to. The link is the mini subscriptionbox.com. And again, the link will be in the show notes. So other things happening in my world, I'm really looking forward to next week because I get to go to Chicago with the world opening up again. This will be my first mini show. I'm so excited. I feel like for about five months now, I've been talking about it and then like, bam, it's already here. Maybe my mom was right. Uh, please don't tell her I said that, but time really does go faster and faster as you get older. At least for me, I feel it does. So if you're going to Chicago show, I'd love to hear from you. Maybe we could even connect. How cool would that be? Also, did you know that when you are there, my friend Teresa has another show that same weekend in the same location. It's okay. It's like maybe 15 minutes away, but there are buses, transportation that will take you from each show back and forth. So it's something you definitely want to check out. She also has classes that are very affordable and very talented artisans that will be selling at her show. So make sure to check it out, and it's miniatureshows.com. And again, you guessed it, the link will be in the show notes. So speaking of shows, in this episode, I chat with two of the founders of the International Market of Miniature Artisans and their upcoming show in Vegas. I'm really, really, really excited for this show. One, I get to go to Vegas, and two, it just sounds so amazing, I won't... I won't. Um, I'll let you listen to the episode. I won't ruin anything. But before we dive in today's episode, I just want to make sure that you know about the monthly mini challenges that we are doing inside the mini district community. And this is a Facebook group. And it's been so much fun. So every month I give a challenge. And it's a chance to win cool mini prizes, learn techniques, meet new mini friends, and well, just have fun. So last month we were to make a miniature out of a paper clip and there were some amazing projects and people are sure creative. And this month's challenge is to make a miniature using a discarded item. So that's right, it's time to go dumpster diving. <laughs> okay, so you don't have to maybe go that extreme, but maybe if you have an item that you would normally just throw away, maybe you can think about turning it into a miniature. And again, this can be any scale. It's super simple. All you gotta do is create it, post it to the group, and then I add your name in to win some cool prizes. So even if you're maybe creating's not your thing, I definitely would check out all the amazing projects that people have been posting inside the group. There's just such amazing, amazing talent for such a little, you know, Facebook group. So something you definitely want to check out. So you ready for another link? It is facebook.com slash group slash the mini district and you guessed it the link will be in the show notes all right so that is enough about that let's dive in today's episode and I hope that you enjoy this conversation and always please reach out to me with any questions feedback I love to hear from you I can be found on social media at the mic drop miniatures or the mini district so thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy today's episode Thank you so much for meeting with me today and talking about your exciting show coming up in Vegas in February. I don't want to wish time away, but I wish February 2023 would hurry up and 
come because it seems so exciting. Mm -hmm. So the show we're talking about is the International Market of Miniature um, Artisans. Otherwise, that's kind of a mouthful. So I M O M A. Yeah. So who wants to start? I MoMA, kind of like MoMA, San Francisco SF MoMA, New York MoMA. That's kind of the lines that I was going along with when I kind of came up with the name. Something simple that's easy to read has a little uh, some balance to it. Um, it was kind of on its own when we did a search. So nice, I love it. So who wants to start and just tell us about the show and how it got started? I know this. It's kind of a new show, but because of COVID, it was canceled a few times. Uh, I'll, I'll start real quick. It kind of started out of necessity because the uh, the previous show that was in Vegas that was it started out as a wholesale show was the Simta show, and Simta was a nonprofit run. Um, so there was a board. I think there was five members, and they would rotate out over the years. Um, I don't recall exactly how old they were. I know it was over twenty. 25 years old. I think it was 39 years old. 39. Okay. Yeah. So, so old, old enough. It, they had been around, had, had a nice uh, track. Nice little run. Yep. Um, and you know, that again, miniatures is all about the people, the artisans. So we didn't want to see it go away. I think what happened with them is they, they kind of hit a stalemate as far as uh, what they wanted the future to be. So they voted unanimously to disband it and shut it down. So unfortunately, a lot of people felt like, what are we gonna do now? What's next? And myself as, a, as an artisan, um, Cindy Gonzalez and Lisa, uh, all felt like, you know, this is too important. Um, our location was, was too fabulous, if you will, uh, to let it go. So we decided to just start fresh and, and create our own. And um, we had a couple of meetings and discussed what we wanted the future to be and just understanding social media like Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest and all those different things that are all these different new artisans coming out, working with different mediums. And we wanted it to be all inclusive. We wanted to keep the scale similar as far as uh, 112, you know, three quarter, you know, half scale, um, potentially working with some of the one six scales as well, just because there's so much variety and we don't really want to leave anybody out. And there's, yeah. there's room for, for a lot more than what we've seen so mm -hmm. where, where, we, where we're at, where we want the future to go. Lisa, I'll segue to you if you want to jump in. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow up on that. So um, I, I just kind of think that like, for me personally, I, I uh, run a wee bit teeny as Paris, myself and Cindy, we're all retailers. We all have our own shops and we've been doing it for, Cindy's probably been in the business over 30 years, Paris over a decade and myself getting close to a decade. And um as artists, like I personally traveled the show circuit and I've been doing so since 2011 as a retailer and Cindy has been traveling the show circuit for 20, 30 years as a wholesaler. And so we're very familiar with every single show all across, not just the United States, but internationally. And what we found was that, you know, you travel the show circuit and you kind of start to see the same dealers over and over and over and over and over again. And we really were kind of seeing the industry in terms of the show circuit die out. 
it was less and less at each show and less and less participation. And there were a few shows that were really kind of, you know, on the ball with the new whole social media craze and reaching out to, um, you know, new artisans. And we kind of felt like there was a niche that wasn't being touched on, which was, of course, as Paris mentioned, um, just all of the Shopify and Wix and Etsy and just Instagram shops and Facebook shops. And there were, there's probably still even at this point with my, I would like to call great marketing skills, a gazillion dealers out there that I just have not even found yet, you know? Um, however, they don't have a market and that's what we are. We're a miniature marketplace. We want to, we want to represent miniature artisans all over the world internationally um, in a way that no other show does. We wanna kind of bring the show circuit into like a new era um, and be all inclusive, like he said, and all inclusive to us kind of means expanding the scales because a lot of the shows are very limited on what you can sell in terms of, um, not a lot of the shows have specific criteria with regards to being handmade. You can you know, mix it up with imports and handmaids and whatever. And we feel that's, that's great. You know, we want to, we know artists don't make everything that they sell, but we also know that artists make multiple different scales. And so a lot of the shows are associated with the word dollhouse. And we all grew up on miniatures as dollhouse fanatics, not Paris. He came up in the industry as an interior designer and an architect, and he just became familiar with building the miniature scales of his real life furnishings. But for the rest of us in the world who grew up with miniatures and loved it, we kind of found out that these shows, not only did they didn't have a really good selection of modern, um, it was it was a lot of vintage, a lot of mid-century, which is great. I, I don't I you know, for me personally, it's what I grew up on. It's what I love. I actually kind of find that that era of miniatures was more detailed. It was the craftsmanship was better than what today's craftsmanship is for most artists. Um, and it just was missing that niche of touching the people that are coming into the industry in our age group and our era and what we think is gonna continue the industry for the next generation of children is um, the excitement of seeing something that they're familiar with. Just like the elder generation, they get excited when they see the Victorian because it's it was what was in their house. We want the new generation of kids to see what's exciting to them. And that might be Calico Critters, that might be Five Surprise, that might be a toy side of miniature, that might be Barbie, that might be one six scale, that might be, you know, anime dolls, that could be OB 11 dolls, that could be the little, you know, little rabbits that they're putting in their dollhouses these days. Um, there's a million different types of miniatures out there. And a lot of people, when you mention all of them, they associate that, per like if you say Barbie, you're going to associate Barbie with a just a purple castle and a pink dress and a Barbie doll. They don't realize how many actual real artisans out there are making real life furnishings and dressings and accessories and decor and actual houses that they're hand making for this toy doll. And so those artisans aren't represented in the world of the current miniature sh uh, show circuit. There's 
great shows, Chicago's, Tom Bishop, Philadelphia, Dallas, San Diego. There's a million fantastic shows out there. I go to them, Paris goes to them, we all go to them. We're never gonna stop going to them because we think that this industry needs to support each other to continue the growth. And we've I cross market all of these shows on our platforms because I think it's really important. I talk to all of the promoters. I think that it's, you know, we need to bring the industry out of this whole seclusion idea of, we, we, we're in any competition with each other because if we want to keep this industry alive, we all need to realize that we're all miniature enthusiasts, regardless of scale, regardless of type. If you're a die cast or a scale model builder or whatever you do in the miniature industry, we want to represent you. And right now, um, the show circuit doesn't represent that niche of um, audience as well as even Etsy. Like if you sell on Etsy and you're a miniature dealer and you've never done the show circuit before, you have one market and that's your Etsy retail e-commerce buyer. And for me, you can go to your local Etsy marketplace in Mississippi somewhere because you're in a, you know, you're an Etsy store out of Mississippi and it's like a craft show. So your buyer's not going to be really particular, you know, looking at your your particular item, your, your sales aren't going to be great. You're going to be at a marketplace, but you're not going to draw in that specific buyer. So for me, I think um, the main idea of our show is to come into a new era, to bring in more children, to attract more children with what is there um, by bringing in all of the different scales, all of the different types. I mean, there's miniature crochet, there's miniature clay artists, there's miniature painters, None of these people go to any of these shows and we're reaching out to mostly them. Although, you know, our core base comes from Simta, which ran for 39 years. And that core base is key to us, to our success. And we want to continue to pro promote those artists and they do travel the show circuit and they are valuable. They, they do mean a lot. They, they represent the last 40 some odd years in miniatures and, you know, they're, they're, they're dedicated and they're loyal to all of the shows. And so we want to continue to maintain a space for them. And like a lot of other shows that are juried and limit their space on tables, our hope and our, our idea of becoming a mini con miniature convention, which is our motto, our hashtag, all skills matter, um, miniature everything, you know, we don't want to associate with just dollhouse. So we, we kind of are looking towards the future in creating the first ever miniature convention. There's a lot of shows. There's a lot of small trade shows, mom and pop shows, um, one international no conventions. There's no conventions, but we're in Las Vegas. This is the convention capital of the world. It's super cheap to eat, super cheap to fly to, super cheap to stay at a hotel. And it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. So we're trying to create a, a, just a completely new era of show and draw a lot of different, um, a lot of different facets into it and bring it into the new, new generation is all. Sounds so exciting. Oh, <laughs> would, you, would you consider like railroad, like trains? Yes. Be, yes. Okay. Well, yeah. we, we will. And, and here's one thing I really want to want to make a point of is that we're trying to break the stigma, the mold of girls play with dolls and yeah. with cars. Exactly. Because young boys were cheated by being shooed away from the dollhouses when we were younger mm -hmm. because that's what the girls play with but yet we had aspirations to be architects so then you understand where the conflict comes in later on when a guy is at a dollhouse show 
and he's walking around and it's just like, well, what's he doing here? You know, and you kind of get that feeling like I shouldn't be here. And it's just the same with the little boys. It's like the mom's bringing the little girls, but you don't always see the little boys with them. And it's like, they're missing out. Yeah. My table alone, I've seen a lot of people's eyes just open up like, oh, I should have brought my son. Mm-hmm. You see the modern and it's quite like today. Quite honestly, it's really like going to a car show in today's market expecting to see something that you're used to seeing on the roads and all you see are model t's yeah from the 30s and 40s and maybe a few from the 50s and 60s but where are you know the 70s and the 80s and where are today's cars you know that kind of thing so really by us moving with technology as fast as we're going into the future um as lisa said you know kids get excited by seeing things that they're familiar with which are things in their home and it isn't necessarily which the dollhouse really was brought about so that little girls could train on how to keep a clean house and how to work in the kitchen and, and associate things like that but that's that's gone that those roles are are you know totally men and women boys and girls alike it doesn't really matter anymore so yeah. now point this is really about enjoyment it's a pastime um, collecting miniatures is a therapy for a lot of people. And quite honestly, with the, uh, with the pandemic, a lot of people were reduced to staying home and, and trying to find a new hobby that allowed them mm-hmm. to maintain their sanity while they were inside. And a lot yeah. of people have turned to miniatures. In the millions. Do you <laughs> think during COVID? You think though, now that the world is opening up again, will people still do miniatures? Do you think it's here to stay? Oh, absolutely. I'll ask you that right away. If you take somebody who picks up on golf and starts getting into it, do you think that they're going to stop all of a sudden? No. Do you find a passion and you're excited and the light is lit? Yeah. Is lit. It's really tough to go back. Anybody in any miniature show or, you know, will will tell you the same. Once you get into it, once you understand it, once you've gotten a little bit of drive and you start having a vision, you become a different person. You understand what it's like to finally create. I talk with a lot of clients and customers alike that'll say, you know, seeing your stuff in modern has really gotten me into collecting because before there just wasn't enough that interested me. Mm-hmm. So now that they have direction, now that they have something that they have an outlet, mm-hmm. compliment me on how nice I would make my things. But the reality is that's just the beginning. Once you get it home, this is not an art piece that you hang on the wall. It's active. This is something that now you get to create as a interior designer. Mm -hmm. Reality is it doesn't matter what scale it's in. It's all designing. It's all artwork. And so that's something that even though the pandemic may lift at some point, that's not, that won't go away. That, that, those are people discovering their passions. Yeah. And to touch on to touch on that one more time is that you mentioned bringing it to, to the, to the male um, uh, audience. audience. And I mean, everybody in the miniature industry would be surprised if they did. I, I've spent probably five years doing research on, on who's out there in terms of the e-commerce world and not just states, but internationally. There are probably more male artisans than there are female. And they are they, they do have, you know, a, a tendency to lean more towards um, architectural builds and scale model builds and war gaming and, you know, um, 
what is it called? RC models, things like yeah, that. RC models and die cast and train. But the industry of miniatures has long been included with train and with with um, scale model building. I mean, it it it's how it kind of started. I mean, it be he he mentions you know the dollhouse world, but the history of miniatures came from actual very wealthy people creating replicas and and owning these miniature replicas of their own mansions and houses. And that's, it was, it was a high end thing. It wasn't a toy. It was a high end collector's it was a luxury item, the luxury item. And for, you know, it's really kind of just trailed off in the, in the, in our world and became more of the toy toy world with Shopkins. And I mean, if you look at the last winning toy for the last nine years, for the for the for the number one selling toy in the United States, it's a form of a miniature toy, whether it's a Barbie or a Shopkins or you know a doll or something, huh? Mini brands, my daughter. Mini brands, Five Surprise, Calico Critters, um, absolutely. Blythe, I mean Blythe's not in U.S., but it's gigantic now, and they've got you know Barbie's got a con and Blythe's got yeah, a con. Diecast has a con, but Mini doesn't have a con. You know, and we need a con that is like those cons that represent a much wider audience of of artists coming together and being um, kind of one. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, if you go into Target or Walmart or any of those bigger stores today, you go to the toy section. They have aisles and aisles and each aisle has it's, it's almost show oriented. So you have like Peppa Pig, you've got Paw Patrol. Every one of those has their own characters. They've got their own vehicles. They've got their own buildings. And it's like, these kids want to emulate what they see. And it's no different than watching HGTV as an adult. You want to be able to do these flips and these remodels. Well, this is a way to do it that's feasible as opposed to actually trying to buy real property and make it a, a full-time job. These are things that people can come home and go into their hobby room after work and unwind, put some music on and do their own form of design or, you know, update a room or, or decorate it for the holidays, things, things like that. Uh, can you speak to the artisan that's coming up and never done a show before? Like, cause that was my kind of my first thought is how do I travel with all these miniatures? How do I, like that just kind of. Well, before you would even travel, you would reach out to one of us and that's kind of what we're going to do with our website is make it you know, have some uh, Q&A page where, where the new artisan can look on there and say, if they have that question, we'll contact a few of us. Maybe in, in some cases, there might be somebody in your area that let's say you're close enough to a show to drive and you guys can, can drive together. You know, and that's, that's the other nice thing about the miniature industry is that we're very close and very connected. So a lot of people, you find that you have that common interest and that common passion that it makes sense because really when you are traveling and going to shows, that's the number one thing that comes up is the expenses. So in reality, it is nice to be able to team up with some people, maybe you're carpooling um, or shipping. You could ship items together depending on, on how big your things are. Um, and then once you get to the shows on that end, what you do there as far as who to contact, how to set up a table, how to light a table. There's a lot of different things that we're going to be putting on our website to, uh, you know, give that kind of information to the first time 
And what do you do personally? Do you put everything on the airplane with you or are you drop shipping? It depends. Um, I rarely drive to a show because most of them are too far away from me. And that was actually one of the reasons why I helped establish IMOMA here in Las Vegas because Las Vegas is my hometown. So yeah, I can just put it in the truck and drive it down. But in most cases you have to fly. Mm -hmm. So you have to break down um, as far as the things that you, you know, any, any structural pieces that you put on your table. I usually like to have at least one show piece and then at least two boxes full of, uh, you know, the merchandise that I can put out. Okay. And I noticed too, you're going to have wholesale and retail. Correct. Oh. And that is because there is a wholesale market, obviously, but we don't have we don't have enough artisans to keep fulfilling the wholesale side of it. And even that's going to take some, some education to some of the new artisans, whether or not it's something that they would want to do either go whole wholesale only or do both or just stick with retail. So that's something that we'll be able to kind of help educate them as well. Um, but we like to, especially if we're going to do a mini con, we want to build it up. So Sure, we could just do a retail show, but part of the reason for also keeping wholesale is because we already had a wholesale market in place with Simta. So we didn't want to just kick everybody to the wayside because you had vendors that that's all they did was wholesale and you had buyers that came to buy just from the wholesalers. Mm -hmm. But the buyers are starting to learn that if you're only dealing with those wholesale vendors and they're getting older, they're retiring or they're just, you know, they're just moving on, you don't have the luxury of grooming new artisans. So having a wholesale retail show allows those wholesale buyers to walk around, introduce themselves to some of the new artisans that they meet, even if it is just retail, give them a card, mm -hmm. you know, speak to them about the different pieces that they might be interested in and the dialogue with them from that point. Yeah. And, and with the, with the touch on that, with the expansion of, of just the idea of bringing in all these millions of, you know, e-commerce dealers that don't know and have never known and don't do shows um, you got to think like, yes, they're hand making a lot of stuff, but they're also really trying to figure out where do I buy? Where do I, I get stuff to create enough inventory to go to a show? You know, how do I, how do I start a store? A lot of them don't even have stores, you know? So it's, it's an avenue of where not only can the wholesale buyers mesh with the retail, you know, once we build up the retail side of things, those retail buyers are going to come early and, and, and shop at the wholesale. So they're, they're kind of helping each other, you know, continue to grow. And how do, does one get into the wholesale? Do you just have to have your business license and yep. You have to have your business license, your seller's permit, you have to register and um, uh, provide that information through the registration link on our website and um, it's very strict on that side of things. And yep. then uh, retail is open to the public. And can you talk like how big are you hoping like vendors, um, wholesale and retail? What is your sure. goal? Um, currently right now, um, our first annual had, I believe 43 vendors and it was a wholesale only two day show. We've obviously decided, you know, expanding into the retail space. Um, so we have a four day show five days technically because there's a setup day but um our show is going to be four days it'll be two days wholesale and two days retail we're looking at probably around um another 45 to 40 50 dealers on the wholesale side and we're looking to expand in the upwards of the 50s to 60s on the retail side 
So some of the dealers will do both. As of today, we have 11 months to go before showtime. And I think we're already close to 50 dealers. We're at about 46 or 47 with another estimated 12 promising to register here in the next couple of months. If that happens, and a lot of those um, dealers that came to our first annual re-register um, will be over 60 already. And in the next 11 months, if I can even come close to doubling that, I'm going to be extremely excited. So job on your marketing efforts. We're working really hard. <laughs> and this yeah, we, we were also dealt a, you know, a rough hand when our inaugural show started out great. Everybody liked it. And then we got hit with COVID. Yeah. And then the second year we had to cancel as well. So we've had a two year hiatus. Um, we've had some good feedback, and so we, we've kind of known what we needed to do as far as uh, stepping up our game a little bit. But for the most part, um, you know, we're, we're ready to, uh, to get back into it, as I think are a lot of other people. And, you know, we should be, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the percentages would be, but it'd be nice to increase the show each year by, you know, 10, 15 percent. Mm -hmm. And it'll just be a one year one, once a once year. Once a year. Yeah. For now, it's just going to be once a year based on, based on the other show circuit. And, you know, that's what, that was the other thing we tried to do is keep it close to the time that, that the original symptom was, because that's when the buyers were coming out. Plus in February, you look, you look at it from the perspective of people flying in from the East coast. And, and so we're trying to find the time that's, you know, the weather isn't too bad. Yeah. So when I think of Minicon, I think of like at the end that you're just going to head to this raging party, right? Because you got to go out Vegas style, right? <laughs> I don't know about a raging party, but yeah, we're going to have elements of fun. <laughs> yeah, we had a dealer event that Paris uh, kind of curated and put together. Um, we had about, what was it, 20 something dealers out of the 40? How many people went on the party bus with us? Um, I think there was about 25 total. Yeah. We had a nice little party bus. Motors. We had a party bus that took well, us then there. I'm there. Party bus, I'm there. That's Yep. And we went to a sky lounge and had some hors d'oeuvres and some drinks. And then it was music fun. all while looking at the, at the, at the strip in miniature. Yeah. Nice. So mm -hmm. I have only been to Vegas once. And so the Gold Coast Hotel, that's not on the strip, right? Is that considered... It's actually, it's over near the Palms Hotel. So there's still in a nice block of other um, casino hotels. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's not right on the strip, but I think that's better for us. Yeah. Less distraction. And I noticed your rates. Um, is that still like $70 a night? That's uh, the, the rates are much more reasonable where we're at as opposed to uh, uh, one of the properties on the strip itself. Yeah, when I saw the rates, because I know Chicago, I'm going and I'm, I'm in the almost 200s, almost. So the rates were definitely nice. And just one, um, I want to know about, the, you're going to have some show, not shows, um, classes, workshops. Can you talk yes. to them? Yeah, we're going to have a few workshops. Um, we're still in the works with those just because we're trying to get some of the artisans to commit. Um, same with the times on it. Uh, we'll, we'll have those on our website as soon as we can get all of that up and um, enough people. I think we have like four or five people committed at this point. Yep. Yes. So that's a that's a building process for us because we had, like he said, we were out for two years with COVID canceled and um, coming off just the wholesale show with with no. I think did we have workshops at the first show? 
I don't think we did. Yeah, so it's a building process. Right now, I think we've got four, four, four to six registered workshops and I'm working on continuing to build that up. What is good about the workshops that I want to mention is that it isn't we're in, we're doing our workshops that are allowed. We're going to allow local retailers here in Las Vegas, like Clay Arts Vegas is going to come and do a class. Um, they're not a dealer. They're not even a miniature buyer, but we're trying to incorporate local um, people in that process as well as offer that to our dealers and our our buy side audience, whether you're a wholesale buyer or a retail buyer, we think that offering that allows them to create an avenue to collect, you know, a revenue on their, you know, their end to cover their expenses to travel to the show. So what I suggest is somebody who is worried about expenses, come up with a workshop, teach a workshop and come, you're going to get into the show and you're going to teach your workshop and you're going to make a little bit of money. You know, IMOMA keeps 10% of the proceeds from the, the uh, workshops, but the um, teacher sets their price. So if they're going to charge $100 per person and it's 10 people, I mean, take off 10% and you're making what? 900 bucks, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's worth it. And we're not, ex we're not excluding, you know, anybody from being um, a teacher at a workshop. So we really want to build that up and help that create um, revenue for people to allow them to travel to the show. So, yeah, whenever yeah. I talk to someone or ask someone like, what's your biggest struggle in miniature? They're always electricity. So if you have someone that. Can yep. Electricity and, and also finishings, too. What you think about it, finishings and electricity have nothing to do with scale. They obviously help scale quite a bit, depending on how you're lighting it, how you're finishing your pieces. Mm -hmm. so those are the kind of things that somebody might say, well, you know, I just, I don't know what I would make. It's like, but do you have a certain skill set that you can share with somebody? Right, right. Class with that as well. And when yeah. do you think someone can get on your website and start looking and registering for those? Will it be the workshop links open now. So you can register for the workshops right now. Um, we finished it last week. Um, the teachers can register. The buy side has not been set up yet. So we are going to create the buy side, uh, I'm sorry, the buy side, the um, student side link yeah. uh, very soon. So right now anybody can register. Um, we also created a new link that's going to get set out to anybody that registers for the show, whether it's a workshop or you're a wholesaler or a retail dealer that'll get sent out and um, have you provide us with all of your social media content links um, and channels so that we can continue to market um, all of our dealers on an ongoing basis between now and showtime. Okay. And what is your website? I mean, I'll put it in the show notes and everything, but sure it's it's imoma.lv.com or is it imoma imomalv.com the i m m o m m a no is that wait sorry i m o m a it's too early i haven't had the coffee lv.com yes you haven't had coffee and you're on a podcast wow i that's like the first thing i do is get the coffee going it's imomalv.com yeah, and so um, I wanted to also touch on another thing that um, IMOMA is looking at the future um, to do is we, the idea of being a marketplace and a miniature convention as far as the live venue is one aspect of what IMOMA is creating right now. But in the future, our goal is to take every dealer that attends our show, past, present, future, 
and create an online shop marketplace that is going to be very, very, very detailed to pull a lot of different shops together into one marketplace. So we're going to try to create this concept of the marketplace in an e-commerce way where IMOMA will be a secondary e-commerce site um, as a marketplace for all of our dealers. So um, like a mini Alibaba. <laughs> it's kind of a mini, a miniature Alibaba, AliExpress, Alibaba kind yeah. of thing. So uh, that's our that's our future goal is to sort of give another outlet. There's a lot of miniature artists out there that um, don't know a lot of marketing techniques. You know, they might got an Etsy, but their sales are low, or they might have a Shopify account, but they don't have you know Google search words set up, or you know they don't have a lot of they don't know how to do Facebook marketing or Instagram marketing or ads and things like that. So what we want to do is um, uh, Cindy and Jeremy are Jeremy's our IT guru. He's a genius. And um, we're going to end up creating that site and the back end of it will allow us to um, do individual fulfillment options. So as people order items that are listed from IMOMA, the, artist will get the link and be able to fill that order. And so we want to create that secondary e-commerce marketplace as IMOMA for all of our, all of our uh, artists. And that way they don't just get the opportunity to sell with us at a live event. They get the opportunity to sell with us um, all year long. That's so cool. It's like Etsy, but when you go on, it's all miniatures, like amazing. Correct. Yeah. And, and you don't have to search for all of the talent. It'll, it'll all be in one place. And I'm sure they all have their own websites and their own, and some don't, some don't. So we will have a wholesale side of it. Um, and we will have a retail side of it. So that's a future, um, endeavor that we're, we're really working on and, and trying to get the thought process together on how to create that. So. So it's will it be little... like a link that'll take them to their website or they actually buy on that website? No, they would buy on our website okay. and then the back end allows the order to be filled by the third party dealer. So they're going to get notified of the order and then they're going to be able. And I know there's a few sites out there right now that allow that. But right now it's one person doing it and maybe selling three or four other people's things. And that's a that's probably a micro percent of yeah. You know, there's there's not too many stores out there that know how to do it. I personally do. I do it through Shopify. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, just a big, huge, inter, you know, marketplace that that represents all of the, the artisans is not available. So you have to search for everybody individually and shop 10, 10 million different sites. <laughs> so. I know. That's exciting. So you do you kind of have a timeline for that? Um, it's going to take probably over a year to build that process out. Um, me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, right now we're not even, that's not our priority. Our priority is just, um, really building up the second annual of the show. And, um, what I like to tell people is our, our, our main building point for me personally, as, as just having a marketing, uh, and sales background is that. A lot of the dealers, they like to wait till the last minute to register and it, it, it kills, it kills our opportunity to market the show. It kills our opportunity to pull in the traveling buyers. It kills our opportunity to entice other dealers to attend a show with low dealer attendance showing. So in one way, this, 
pandemic, you know, has hurt us. And in another way, it's helped us because it's honestly given us two years to market and to continue to build. And we've been lucky that nobody's dropped out in these two years. Everybody that's registered has maintained their, their presence of wanting to come. So um, I, I think that um, the main thing I tell people is that as, as a marketing person, I want to encourage all of the dealers that want to attend our show to register between now and June 1st, because you need to give me the opportunity to spend at least a half a year focusing on getting that buy side traffic in. We want to, we want every dealer to have a good return on their investment. We don't want people traveling to the show for fun. We want them traveling to the show to make money. And for us to make that happen, we have to have them on the dealers list so that we can focus on getting that buy side traffic in and enticing people. Look, we're growing. We're huge. You know, we've got, we've got over what out of the 45, 46, 47 dealers we've got registered over 20 of them are brand new dealers to not only our show. And I think probably close to 10 of them have never done a miniature show before. I don't know any other show out there that's had even 10 new dealers that's never done a show before. Never in since 2011 have I attended a show where I've seen 10 brand new dealers that I've never seen a day in my life. So that's our avenue of focus. Um, it takes a lot to encourage somebody to do a show. So like Paris said earlier, we are creating a, um, a section on the website that's going to help them learn the processes and the payment methods and you know, cash and taxes and sales IDs and all of that stuff is going to be on our website to help people understand how easy it is. Because I tell people, look, I try to tell people don't stress over it too much. Just bring a tablecloth, take cash only <laughs> and set up a six foot table in your house and fill it up with miniatures. And if it doesn't fill up, display it nice. You know, you can curate your own table at home really quickly. A lot of people think they have to have so much product. And then what I realized is I took so much to every show. I was traveling ridiculously and it was like, it was so insane and it was stressful. And I'm like, look, I can really minimize what I have to take and still have a fantastic show. And you yeah, can retail display is an art form as well. And that's something we're yeah. all have because you don't want to overcrowd your no. Well, because it's, you got to remember they're miniature too. So it's hard. People do like to pick things up and, you know, it's a tangible uh, business, but the reality is too many things. It's hard for people to kind of get in and then put them back where they were. So pretty soon you have chaos all over. So there's a lot of resetting your table, um, switching things around sometimes from one day to the next yeah. way through the day I've reset aside and suddenly got some more sales over there because somebody had come back by and didn't notice something. Yeah. The the thing is it's really hard to visually focus on every little thing so you want to have proper lighting have things elevated you know different elevations so that's something that we'll also have on our website too showing people how to set up a table because it is very important yeah and you want to encourage people to order you want you want yeah. to make sure you have your business exactly. card if yep. it isn't there or if it's sold you can tell people, hey, it's sold, but come back and pick it up at the end of the day so I can continue to sell it. So, right. you know, there's 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 different ways to to make it work without bringing your entire stock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I was at the show in Chicago in November, a lot of people had like they were cardboard and they mm -hmm. look like stairs and then they just yep. snap. So those look those, cool. those work, too. Yeah, uh, the risers. A lot of people yep. put cloth over them, too, and make them if you're look traveling. Up. You're flying lightweight, easy to, to pack up. Yeah. Uh, 
obviously they're they're not the most attractive thing out there. But at the end of the day, what is most attractive is the table being set properly where your pieces can be seen and they're properly lit. And that's what people are focusing on. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for helping the industry and trying to modernize um, miniatures and just bring it to life again. So thank you for all that you're doing. It sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I can't wait for February to come. Yeah. <laughs> so any, anything else you want to share about the show? Thank yeah, you. I think we covered it all. Thank yeah. you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I can't. And wait. everyone be well. Yeah. Well, stay safe. Yes. And no more COVID. The show is going to happen, right? Well, that's in the past. Now. Well, we're, we're going to, you know, COVID may still be around, but I think we're, we're going to trudge forward because we've seen a lot of other things going forward. And it's just yeah. having a new awareness and, and being as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully we can do it without masks because it's really hard to, to have discussions with people with masks on. Mm -hmm. um, so... We'll, we'll be as safe as we can, but we're at this point, we're, I'm not going to put any guarantees on it because uh, we thought that was going to happen for this year and, and it got shut down. So yeah, um, let's just have positive thoughts that it's going to happen and we're all going to be healthy and happy and <laughs> off without a hitch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again. And thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Rachel. You have thank a good you. Time. Bye. Bye.